Lord, we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to the Lord for everyone that's here today. Uh, I'm going to share a story that I've shared before. And... Uh, And my prayers is that it would help us to, um, in our spiritual walk, that this message will help us in our, in our spiritual walk. Years ago, when I was a little boy, I guess about five, four or five years old, um, I might have even been six years old, I, I, I was sitting in church, it was at nighttime, I do remember that, if I'm not mistaken. And I was sitting in church, and um, my I was sitting where I usually sit, my daddy, so if this was the church, my daddy and our family, we sat on the fourth row back on this side, and uh, my daddy always sat at this edge here, and uh, he would put, he had a stick that he kept with him, I guess it was like uh, maybe a two by six or something like that. <coughs> and uh, he would put it under his leg and uh, I would sit on that stick, you know, with him balancing me. I would sit, so I would be sitting close where just about I could put my chin on the, on the bench in front of me. So one night this man came up, the pastor of the church was standing on this side in the front of the church and the man came up to be prayed for and the pastor went to lay hands on him and his face went back and uh, then the pastor went to lay hands on him again and his face went back and his face changed it turned chiseled like and when I say chiseled it looked more square and uh, the man began to manifest and he walked backwards to the and got stood on the bench and then his body went backwards and of course you've heard me tell this before where from his knees to the top of his head was parallel to the floor and he began to walk back on the top of the benches so can y'all understand what i mean when i say that who don't understand what i mean when i say that he began to walk the top of the benches so the benches i imagine were about uh maybe about the same size as these maybe a little bit longer and they were spaced out and so his feet would touch the back of the benches. That's how he walked in that manner from, from, with, from his knees to the top of his head parallel to the floor. Now, you know, it, it would be hard for any of us to just walk the benches just standing straight up like that, you know, without losing balance. But he walked, so he was able to bend his legs back as he walked and, and didn't miss a beat. And he did that several times, all the way to the back of the church and then back to the front of the church. Then all the way to the back of the church and then to the front of the church. When he got to the back bench, he, he moved to the other side and then came back up without missing a beat. And with the pastor's weight on him because the pastor was riding him, was on top of him. So you know that's a, a demonic power. 
Now I'm watching this play out and I know, you know, I'm a little boy, but I know that that's impossible. I know that much, that that <laughs> is something else playing out there. And I remember him, it wasn't, there was nothing clumsy about it. He wasn't struggling, he wasn't almost slipping, he wasn't almost missing the top of a bench. It was very, very methodical. Very, almost like military. That's the best way I can put it. And not only that, as he was walking the top of the benches, his body was moving like this. Just, you know, so, you know, that's a lot to keep up with. You know, <laughs> no human being gonna be able to do that outside of some kind of other power outside of this world. Everybody see now. And one of the, I was talking with one of the deacons who was there that night, who was a grown man, not too long ago. And uh, we talked about that night. And uh, he told me, he said, when we got him off those benches, we went to pray for him. And we would grab him and hold him. But we could only hold him for a few seconds. Then we'd have to let go. And he said, we'd go off to the side and we'd just be praying like this that our life would come back in us because he said just holding that man for a few seconds it felt like their life would leave them and they'd have to let him go and they'd have to just go off to the side and just he said we just be praying like this that the Lord would let our life come back in our bodies because it just literally felt like the our life was leaving us so that night uh, a cousin of mine she cast the devil out of him. And um, her and the pastor of the church, as far as I know, those are the only two people there that could stand to hold him and not have the life come out of him, out of them, if they not have that feeling. And so I wanted to start off with that story, uh, brothers and sisters, and if the Lord say the same will, we will tie this all together uh, so that we'll have an understanding. Um, Let's go real quick. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the Let's go to the ninth chapter of the book of Luke. Now my my prayer is that we'll really understand what the Lord is going to say to us tonight. Uh, in fact, uh when you get to the ninth chapter of the book of Luke, yeah, yeah, we'll go there. Ninth chapter of the book of Luke, and then we'll go somewhere else. And my prayer, I sincerely pray that we will really hear what the Lord is wanting to say to us today. That we will not, uh, that we will take heed to this. You see, that we will take heed to this. Ninth chapter of the book of Luke, and we're going to start reading at verse 44. It says, let these sayings sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them, that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. Isn't that something now? Isn't that a strange thing to say? Let's look at what he says there. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. 
Everybody see that? You know what he's saying? When he says sink down into your ears, let it go past your ears into your heart. Really, really, really think about what I'm saying. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. What sayings? For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. Isn't that something now? So let's go and keep reading. And if the Lord say the same, we'll bring out why he's saying that. Look at what it says. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. So they done moved on. Okay, no. I do you know what he's saying? No, I don't. What about you? No, I don't either. Now we better not ask him because we know every time we ask a question, we get rebuked. So let's not ask him. But anyway, so let's move on. What we're moving on to? Verse 46. Then there arose a reasoning among them of which of them should be greatest. Isn't that something now? Now here is the Lord that said something very profound. And the Bible says that they didn't understand what he was saying and it was hid from them and they feared to even ask him what they were saying. But we're going to move on to who's the greatest. Isn't that something? Let's talk about that. Who? You think you're better than me? Now, I, I cast out five devils. You only cast out four. I, I, you know, I, every time I sing, people get moved. But when so, somebody else sing, they just standing there. Let's not ask the deep questions, you see. <laughs> Let's go and keep reading. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. You see how you can't get away with it? They, like people today, even like people in this room, didn't like being rebuked, didn't like being corrected. So we'll avoid it. We'll just have these little arguments in our hearts, and then the Lord will still call it out. Does everybody understand now? Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Everybody see that? Are children worried about who the greatest? No, not at all. Not at all. Does everybody see that now? Go ahead and keep reading. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils. You see what he did now? You see how everything is being avoided? Everything. Everything is being avoided. And we wonder why people don't grow. Jesus said, let these things sink down in your ears. I'm going to be delivered unto men. But we don't know what that means. So anyway, let's continue to talk about who's the greatest. They didn't let the Lord hear what they were saying. They was talking about that among themselves, but the Lord perceived what was in their heart. And he took a child and set it in front of them and said, whoever be like this little child, whoever be a servant of all, that's the great. He's the one that's great. But anyway, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Lord, but what? We saw somebody casting out devils in your name, and we forbade them to do that. Does everybody see the, the transition here? There is no segue. Let's just talk about something else. Let's just avoid <laughs> being corrected. Nobody looked at the little boy and said, so come here, little fellow. So what, what do I need to do to be like you? Let me study you. What, who are your people? Let me look at you and see what God is, what the Lord is talking about. If I, I'm, since I'm so concerned about being great, 
um, being the greatest. Let me see what that looked like in your life. Can I follow you around for a day? If the Lord used you as an example and said, you, you, it's people like you, that's great. Let me see what it takes to be that way, except we don't care. Let's be passive aggressive and, and switch the conversation. Lord, we saw somebody casting out devils in your name and we told them to stop it. Why? Because they're they, they, they not with us. They, not, they don't belong to this church. And look at what the Lord said. And Jesus said unto him, forbid him not, for he that is not against us is what? For he that is not against us is what? For us. Does everybody see that now? Do y'all see the thing that's, that we're talking about so far? Strife. Striving among themselves. Who's the greatest? Striving whether or not they should even ask a question that they don't, of, of something that the Lord said that they don't understand. Striving among themselves to see who's the greatest when the Lord shoot that down. Then we're going to strive and say, you know, uh, we, yeah, we, we're going to strive. We're going to let you know about some other strife. We, we kicked it off over here with this little gang over here, this little gangster church that call themselves casting out devils. We the real gang. So we had to stop them. They ain't with us. We stopped them. I guess they thought the Lord was going to say, yeah, good job, because we, you know, we the, we the real deal. Ain't nobody else real but us. But what did he say? Don't forbid them to do that. Common sense should have told them if they're casting out devils, God is with them. Everybody understand that now? Those people, they were somebody else's disciples. They were not following the Lord physically, but apparently they understood something about the Lord. For them to be able to do to cast out devils and so what did the lord tell them forbid him not for he that is not against us is what for us and i'm telling you sometimes people got it on the inside of them to strive with anything that, that don't look exactly like them you off in one thing and it's a fight and that's not god's will you know, we could say, well, we follow the truth. But the Lord had to bring us to that truth. That's not something we found on our own. And we are not, <laughs> we are not the truth police. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? Here's the deal. If they're not against you, leave them alone. It's got a whole YouTube world out there that, that, that make it their business to put down preachers. Why, why, do, why am I concerned with what, what other preachers got going on if they're not against me? And if I find out they're against me, I'm going to pray for them. Does everybody understand that? Some folks don't feel like they're living unless they got a war going on. They want a war. And that's not God's will, brothers and sisters. God, the Bible says, God have called us to peace. 
It says, as much as lieth within me, as much as lieth within me, live in peace with all men. As much as I can do that, live in peace with all men. Isn't that what the word says? As much as lieth within me, live in peace with all men. Don't the Bible say that? If it's in my power and it's not going to make me compromise the word of God, I should live in peace with all men, even if it hurt my feelings, even if I don't get my way in something. I'm supposed to live a life where I want to live in peace with all men, as much as lies within me. So we got to get this war out of our hearts. Some of us, we live on edge. Anything anybody say to us, we got to talk ourselves down. We start at 100 with people. We start on edge. We start ready to fight. Oh, what did you mean you like my shirt? Oh, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, Lord, forgive me. I was just having a bad day. I'm just, I, you know, because last time somebody said that, they wanted my shirt. <laughs> Does everybody understand? Got to talk themselves down. Anything is a fight. Got to talk themselves down. What does the Bible say? Blessed are the peacemakers for what? What does it say there? Let's go look at that. Let's go to the book of Matthew real briefly. I want to show you that in the Bible. The fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. In the ninth verse, fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, the ninth verse, it reads, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The children of God. Let me make this clear, brothers and sisters. Children of God are peacemakers. The first war we ever read about ever in history, the Bible says that the devil made war. The devil made war. Him and his angels. The devil made war. But I love the way the word of God reads that like that. It said, blessed are who? The peacemakers. Do y'all understand what that means? The children of God make peace. They make peace. So if peace have, have to be made, that means it's some stuff already done jumped off. It ain't just we walking around and getting along with everybody. A peacemaker is just that. They quell, they, they squash the situation. In other words, there's already a situation. Peacemakers make peace where other people don't want it. They make it. I know you got something in your heart towards me, but I'm a love on you. 
I'm going to give you your way even when it hurts me just to keep the peace. And after a while, you'll come around. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. What is everybody else called? <laughs> There's only two sides. Does everybody understand? You know, people, sometimes people make the mistake of thinking because I, in this ministry, we stand so hard on the truth that we just had war with people. That God didn't call us to make war with people. We, the Bible, my Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh, flesh and blood. My I'll never make war with flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Does everybody see that now? So we have to be spiritually minded and understand if there is a war, we have to understand where this war is coming from. But with people, we are peacemakers. We are peacemakers. Does everybody understand now? And folks wonder why they deal with high blood pressure. About to black out. You want some health issues? You just, you just be a warring person. Does everybody understand that now? Especially if, if, we ain't, if you ain't wrestling against flesh and blood. That devil you bouting, that you, that you fighting with, that you're unaware. Does everybody understand that? For me to fight with a person, I would have to be ignorant and unaware of the devil that's behind them. And while I'm fighting with flesh and blood, what is the devil behind them doing to me? Frustrating me. It's, it, it's, a, it's a, you know, you can't fathom when you're corner-minded how somebody can have so much fight on the inside of them. You fighting them and, 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 they, and they fighting you and you think, well, I didn't know you had all this fight in you. Huh? Where's you getting all this energy from? And you know why they'll win every time? Because you don't have God backing you with your strife. But they have a devil backing them with theirs. And the Lord would allow them to whop on your backside until you get spiritually minded and you start seeing what the real fight is. It's a spiritual war. And we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We pray for flesh and blood when the devil's using them. And then we have to make, our, make sure we got ourselves in check. Lord, has the devil been using me? Does everybody see that now? So do y'all see the pattern of what we see in here in the ninth chapter of the book of Luke? The, the strife. Look what it says, verse 50. And Jesus said unto him, forbid him not. For he that is not against us is what? Isn't that something? We don't know the man's name. We don't know his background. The Lord, it, it, it is never mentioned in the Bible who it was that they stopped from casting out devils. But I guarantee you, he probably thought in his mind, who are y'all? 
Now, y'all keep that in mind, brothers and sisters. Y'all keep that in mind, okay? What did they stop him from doing? What did they stop him from doing? Isn't that something now? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Let's go ahead and continue on with the foolishness. Verse 51, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a, the, a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did. But he turned and rebuked them. Everybody see that? We got Bible to back it up. We can. We can call fire down from heaven and, and strike people dead. Now, I want you to see what was going on, brothers and sisters. This is a pattern that happens with people all the time. They live life, not ever wanting to be corrected, and still get corrected. And then they go to try to find something good to do, even try to find Bible for it, and, and still get corrected. Because no matter what you do, I don't care if you can find it in the Bible, if your heart ain't right, God's going to find you. And what does this go back to? Let's not ask any questions. We don't understand it. But every time we ask something, he, he taught us unbelievers and faithless and all that. So we ain't going to ask. <laughs> Everybody see that now. Look what it says. Verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Does anybody see that? Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven like the great prophet Elijah? Elijah did it, so we can too. That was them not understanding the word. Those people were trying to kill Elijah. That's why they sent 50 men. And he couldn't, he couldn't do that unless the Lord had called him to do that. Because later on, after the third 50 came, the Lord told him, you can go with them. Because they're coming with the right, they ain't coming to kill you. The Lord did that to protect Elijah's life. It wasn't meant for him to die in this earth. But they didn't understand that. All they could see was when folks reject you, you just call fire down. What was it? They took it personal. And brothers and sisters, this is where strife happens. When you get offended and take stuff personal. You'll be a striving somebody. All it takes is to get hurt somewhere, somewhere early on in your life and everything else that touched that is a fight. And it renders you. It disarms you. It renders you helpless in the kingdom of God. Does everybody understand that now? It disarms you. Let's, let's, go, let's go real briefly. Let's go to the book of... Um, Titus, the third chapter. 
Y'all hold y'all spot there because we're coming back to that ninth chapter of Luke if the Lord say the same. Let's go to the book of Titus just real briefly. The third chapter of the book of Titus. third chapter of the book of Titus. Is everybody there? We're going to start reading at verse 8. It says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful. Everybody see that? Might be careful to maintain what? Good works. These things are good and profitable unto man. Look what it says. But avoid what? Foolish questions and what? Genealogies and what? Contentions and what? Strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. In other words, they don't do you any good and it's all designed to build up your ego and pride. You know, preachers can start off um, in a good place with the Lord, can be walking in the power of God, can be doing things that the Lord wants them to do. And then the Lord, you know, he's constantly establishing them in, in truth. But then they get pulled away with that same truth. Truth, y'all pay attention. Truth mixed with pride is a dangerous thing. I don't care how much truth you got. If you got pride to go with it, it's dangerous and it will render you ineffective. I believe with my whole heart in preaching the truth. I don't believe in making war with people because of the truth. Does everybody understand now? I believe people ought to stand on God's word. Listen, now, we're not talking about sitting down with people and saying, hey, I believe, you know, now this, is what I, this is what I believe about this. This is, I, let me show you in the word. We're not talking about, you know, taking people to the word and showing them in the word what God says about things. But I'm talking about this spirit of strife, this spirit of fight that people have in them about it. Does everybody understand that now? Again, some people don't feel like they're alive if they ain't got some kind of fight going on somewhere. People that aren't saved don't care about how much truth you know. Those people are not concerned with how much of the Bible you know. Does everybody understand now? Now, let's think about this. People that are not saved, one characteristic they're going to mostly have in common is selfishness. 
So you can go to somebody and say, hey, I got all the truth. I go to God's truth and deliverance. I know all the truth. Let me share it with you. What does that, okay, and I'm hungry, so what's that got to do with anything? I got bills, so what's that got to do with anything? You know what the Lord did to help people? He healed them. He had power to go with his truth. A power that had compassion on people. Y'all are hungry, let me feed you. Y'all are sick, let me heal you. You're blind, let me give you sight. You're deaf, let me give you hearing. Let me, let me do something for you to get your attention. And then we'll hold your hand and bring you to the truth. Does everybody see how the Lord operated now? He wasn't out there trying to make a war with people, just out there just striving. You know, sometimes we can be the biggest turnoff from God. You don't win people of God by arguing with them. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you have to learn to accept people that might not have had their eyes open just yet. And then you ought to have a mind to always check in God with God. God, am I still right? <laughs> That's what makes people run to the war the way they do, because they're always right. But the pride makes them wrong. You ought to always check, Lord, am I still on the path? Let me make sure I ain't, I ain't done got crazy and done got off somewhere. Does everybody see that now? <laughs> I tell you, brothers and sisters, I know how tricky stuff can be. You could be in the truth. You could be established in the truth. And at the same time, in, in, without you knowing it, God could go back all the way back in history and rewrite the Bible and make you a lie just because of your pride. And you won't know a thing about it. This Bible says he could send a strong delusion so I, I don't think I'm stronger than a strong delusion. I, the, my only safety is humility, checking back in with God. Lord, is, is this still your word? Okay, <laughs> I just want to make sure now. <laughs> All right, everybody understand now. Lord, am, am I moving in pride? Did I, did I say that in pride? Lord, forgive me. Does everybody understand? You know, Brother Junior tells a story of how, uh, and, and I have it on recorded. That was one of the phone conversations I recorded. He tells a story of how, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a brother, a preacher. They were eating together. They were, I think they were in Mississippi somewhere on the other side of Louisiana, near Mississippi. And they were eating together, and the brother, you know, somebody, they had pork. Uh, brother Junior was eating swine, and he noticed the man didn't have his, and they started a discussion. Well, the man was telling him, I don't, you ain't supposed to be eating pork. And Brother Junior said, why? He said, because the Bible says we're not supposed to eat pork. And so Brother Junior took his Bible out and began to show the man. And the man was refusing it, the man and his wife. They were both refusing it. And he continued to show him, took him through from the Old Testament to the New Testament and explained all that, and the man still refused it. And so Brother Junior told him, well, I don't care what you say, I'm going to eat my pork. 
And so fast forward, a month or so later, Brother Junior's at his mother's house, and his mother fried him a nice piece of pork chop. And he's sitting at his mother's dinner table eating it. And he heard a voice say this, as sure as the swine flesh is in your teeth, you have died and lost your soul. And Brother Junior said he pushed away from the table and asked his mother, because she was standing at the kitchen sink, asked his mother, said, Mama, did you hear that? She said, no, son, I didn't hear that. And he said right then he felt the power of God leave him. And he said six months he prayed and in earnest prayed and asked the Lord what was that about? Because the Lord didn't even tell him what it was about. Just as sure as you got swine in your swine flesh in your teeth, you've died and lost your soul. The Lord didn't tell him what, what it was about. Six months he prayed in earnest to ask the Lord. He wasn't doing no miracles in between then. Six months he prayed and asked the Lord in earnest, what was that about, God? What did I do? And he said the Lord just, after six months, the Lord spoke to him. He said, you don't have any love. Said, yeah, Lord, I got love in the Lord. I said, no, you don't. He said, you come across a brother of yours that was weak in the faith. And you were more concerned with you being right than helping them. So he repented of that, and the Lord gave him the power back. And he made a vow to the Lord from this day forward, I will not eat swine. And so there were times when I, you know, I, I called his wife, the Lord had laid it on my heart to, to buy him and his wife groceries. For, you know, I, I imagine for about a year. And uh, so I asked, his, I asked her, I said, so what does he like to, what does he want to eat? She, he said, she, he like anything, anything you buy. She said, but don't buy me the pork, he don't eat that. Now this, this was probably 40 and 50 years later and still stuck with that. I, I will not eat swine. Was he telling the truth? Yes, he was telling the truth. But with no love more concerned about him being right and what he knew about the Bible. And in that, the Lord let him know he hurt that brother and his wife. He did more harm than good. So he went, he went back to those people, drove to their house across Louisiana, drove to their house and told them, forgive me, I was wrong. And when he asked for forgiveness, then he could take them to the scripture and show them. And they received it. Why? Why didn't they receive it the first time? Because it wasn't God talking. It was pride. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? So you see how even preachers have to grow. And the Lord is very, very, you think about that. It's sure the swine's place is in your teeth. You, you know, you only got a split second to get some, uh, some stuff, toothpicks, and get it out of your teeth before the Lord finished saying what he got to say about it. <laughs> but as sure as it's in your teeth, and you know it take about an hour to get it out of there. <laughs> what has happened? You have died and lost your soul. So you know what Brother Junior did? He took the swine flesh out of his teeth and never put it back in there. He reversed that. 
repentance, and swine will never be in these teeth again. Does everybody see that now? So you see, brothers and sisters, it's not enough to have the word of God. You have to know how to handle the word of God. And you can't do it in strife. You cannot strive with people. Does everybody understand? Some of us need to go somewhere and sit down and heal and figure out in our minds, why do I have all this fight on the inside of me? Why is everybody my enemy until they show me they my friend? Why do I fight with everybody? Does everybody see that now? So look what it says there. Verse 9, avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and what? Vain. Avoid all of that. Unprofitable and vain. Now, let me make this clear. If the Lord is telling us to avoid something, it's because if we don't avoid it, it's going to hurt us. Now, sometimes you read things like this in the scripture, it don't tell you how it's going to hurt you. It just tells you not to do it. Does everybody understand that? You can tell a child, don't touch that stove. You ain't got to tell them it's hot, just tell them don't touch it. If they touch it, they'll find out why you told them not to touch it. Does everybody understand now? Let's look at what that says, verse 10. A man that is inherited after the first and second what? Everybody see what we're supposed to do? Admonish people. Not strive with them. Admonish them. Try to help them. But after the first and second time that you've tried to admonish them, if they still don't receive it, what does it tell you to do? No, keep going back because you're going to win them over. They're going to see one day that you're right and they're wrong. What does it say to do? Reject. Why? Because after the second time, if they don't hear it, they don't want to hear it. And you're going to have a fight on your hand for the rest of your life. The devil will keep using them to frustrate you. So reject. They don't want to see it. Somebody that, want to, that, that, that might want to see something, might want to see the truth, it, it ain't, it ain't going to take 20 years to, con- to convince them of it. After the first and second time, they, they're, they're, they're pretty steadfast in what they think. Let them keep thinking it. But if I go back a third time, it ain't God talking now. Who is it? Pride. That I'm writing you wrong. Does everybody see that now? Look at what it says. Verse 11, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Everybody see what they're saying there? One of the reasons why you can't convince people they're wrong is because if you convince them they're wrong, then they'll have to admit that they're wrong. And so sometimes people are condemned by what they're doing, and so that makes them take up for what they're doing. They make excuses for it. Does everybody understand that? It's just easier for them to think I'm justified than it is I'm wrong, you see. So this tells us one of the reasons why, brothers and sisters, why we don't argue with people, why we don't contend with people. Everybody understand that? It is designed to keep us, brothers and sisters, focused on the task at hand and what God wants us to do. Does everybody understand now? Now, let's read verse 9 one more time. 
What does it tell us? But do what? What does it tell us to do? Avoid, avoid anything that's going to keep you from being a peacemaker. Avoid it. Avoid foolish questions, genealogies, and contentions, and strivings about the law. Everybody see that? Is that what your Bible say? Is that what it said? Let's go to the second chapter of 2 Timothy real briefly. The second chapter of 2 Timothy. Second chapter of 2 Timothy. And we're going to start reading at verse 22 says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow after what? Righteousness, faith, charity, and what else? Peace with them that call on the Lord out of what? A pure heart. Now look at what verse 23 says. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Why? Knowing that they do gender what? Strive. What do they gender? They give birth to strife. Does everybody see that? Verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. Must not strive. Does everybody see that? But be gentle unto who? Apt to teach, patient, in meekness. Everybody see that? Doing what? Instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So this is telling me, hey, there's nothing wrong with bringing truth to somebody. But you do it in meekness. Everybody see that? Why? Because God might cause them to repent and turn away from the trap that the devil have had them in this whole time. So you have to ask yourself this. When you are tempted to strive, when you are, when you are instructing someone in righteousness, are you doing it to help them or are you doing it to prove that you're right? Does everybody understand that now? I'm telling you, some folks just like to argue. Some folks love to battle. They don't feel like they they doing anything unless they're in a battle. And that's not God's will, brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be peacemakers. Peace ought to be our ultimate resolve. We know who the war is with. It's with the devil and the kingdom and his kingdom. So we don't go make a war with people. Does everybody understand that now? You do anything outside of God's green light, you're going to have a fight on your hands, and you ain't going to win. If God give you the green light, you know the battle is already won. But you do anything out of pride, you just right. Does everybody understand that now? 
So the Bible tells us what to do, that the servant of the Lord must not strive. Isn't that right? But do what? Be gentle. Isn't that what it says? And you know, people that love to fight, they see somebody like me who's just kind of just settled, not wanting to make war with people, and, and they could think, man, you, you, you don't have the zeal that you need to have. No, I got the power of God with wisdom. There was a time I was young and spunky. Oh yeah, there was a time. I was making war with anybody that wanted it. And then I ran into a wise old man, Brother Junior. You settled down. That's not the love of God. And let me share some stories with you of what made me learn this lesson. You're not going to whoop the devil's pride with yours. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? He's the king of the children of pride. You're not going to whip him with it. Does everybody understand that now? <laughs> so, all right, let's go back now just real briefly, brothers and sisters. So everybody see now why that's important, brothers and sisters, that we don't strive. You know, all right, let's go back now to the ninth chapter of the book of Luke. I want to show you something very interesting, and then we'll end this. The ninth chapter of the book of Luke. Is everybody there? Let's read verse 49, just for the effect of it. Ninth chapter of the book of Luke, verse 49. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. Isn't that interesting? All right, so now, brothers and sisters, let's back up to verse 37. It says, And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly, departeth from him. And I besought thou disciples to cast him out, and what? And what? They could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. Who was he talking to? Not to the crowd, to his disciples. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered, everyone at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, What? Let these things, let these things sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. Now let me explain to you why he said that. 
Do y'all remember what we went over earlier? What was the pattern here that we saw with his disciples? Strife. They were striving. And so what he's telling them is, I have come to yield myself to this war. Let these things sink down in your ears. Look what he says. The son of man shall be delivered into the hands of men. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to strive with people. I'm here to die. And when you're here to die, you ain't got time to strive. That's part of your death, not striving. So then the question is this. Why do we see yeah, y'all put two and two together. Why couldn't that, you go to another version of this, the same event? They asked the Lord, why were we not able to cast this devil out? And the first thing he said is, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. What was part of the unbelief? Y'all like to strive. That's the reason why it moved right into what we started off with. All of that striving. How in the world are you going to cast out a devil? When your talk is, who's the greatest among you? Who's going to win? How can you cast out a devil when you're forbidding people to do what you can't do? When you got an issue with people that are more powerful than you in the kingdom? How can you cast out a devil when all somebody got to do is disagree with you? And what you think about the Bible. And you ready to call down fire from heaven. You think fire was going to come down? No. How in the world are you going to call down fire from heaven when you can't deal with the fire that's in this earth? They were deceived. So brothers and sisters, just to make it simple and plain, and that's the name of this message, strife is a subtle python. It'll choke the power of God. Oh, yeah, it'll choke it. You can start off with some power, but you just start striving with people. You just make it your mission to make the world know you right and they wrong. And that power will leave because the power of God can't dwell in a vessel with pride. Does everybody understand that now? So then you may ask, why did we start off telling the story that we told? That man that was there that night, he had the spirit of Python in him. That's the reason why it was sucking the life out of those that touched him that were not prepared. The church I grew up in, it had strife among those people. So when the devil showed up, the, most of them couldn't do anything with him. That spirit of Python was there in the flesh to take life. The same thing that it does now. And all you got to do is have a little strife on the inside of you. Just go to war. And many people really think, I'm going to war for God. You better make sure God sent you to that war. Does everybody understand that? And let me tell you what happened, brothers and sisters, when God sent you to the war. He'll do the same thing he told the children of Israel when they came to the Red Sea. Stand still. 
That was his. That was whenever he sent people to the war, he ain't say you go. You go talk noise. You let the devil know. No, you stand still and shut up. I'll fight it. Because if that devil see an ounce of pride in you, he gonna take it and beat you with it. So just stand still. Just act like you and just stand still. Put your hands in your pockets and act like you just there. Why? Because if you want to be called my child, you're going to have to be a peacemaker. You ain't there for a war. You feel sorry for the souls I might destroy. You praying for those souls. Does everybody understand that? So that's the reason why, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that we have to watch that. The devil will get you on one end or the other. He'll get you for not standing on the truth, and then he'll get you for standing on it with a bat. You be in the middle. We stand on the truth. And we let and we give the bats to God. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Yeah. The Lord don't need help. Does everybody understand that? We shared that before about King David. He went and made war with Goliath, and the Lord never told him to go make war with Goliath. Even his brothers told you, What are you doing here? We know you. You like to fight. You and your little arrogant self, go sit down somewhere. And you know what happened? He developed a reputation for being that way. And so he had a wall on every side. When you are a person that loves to fight, the devil's going to bring it to you. Everybody's gunning for your pride. Does everybody see that now? That's not God's will, brothers and sisters. I, hey, we're not going to be able to live this Christian life without a war, but you don't you start it. And when you see one done jumped off, just hand it over to the Lord. Lord, I, listen, I, I don't know why this is happening, where it's coming from, but you handle it. And I wait on instructions on what you want me to do about it. You know what the Lord's going to tell you? Pray for your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Love on them. That's how you fight the war. Because this is not flesh and blood you're dealing with. Do they understand that now? And in all of that, you can maintain the power of God. So that when it's time to cast out devils, you'll be ready. Why? Why, why is that? Because compassion is what cast out devils to begin with. The love of God is what cast out devils to begin with. Not making war with the devil. Does everybody understand now? There was already a war in heaven. That's already won. That's already all said and done with. Done away with. Your job is to follow the Lord. To love people. To care for their souls. Does everybody understand that? And if I, when I see somebody... Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've been talked about. I'm pretty sure that. I'm, I'm pretty sure. There are people in this world that don't like me, that, but what is that to me? My life is not going to be based around people not liking me or whatever it is. That, what is that to me? It's not going to even be based around people coming against me. What is that to me? When the Lord gets tired of them, he'll handle it. In the meantime, I'll pray for people. You know why? Because at one time, I was an enemy of the cross. 
I don't act like I was just born on this side. <laughs> I had to be born again to be on this side. So somebody was praying for me and my ignorant self. Does everybody understand that now? If I'm born again, I leave the war behind me. I leave all the fight behind me. I was a fighter when I was out in the world. I gave that up when I came to Christ. Does everybody understand that? And he's the only one, brothers and sisters, that can judge it with righteousness because he knows things that we don't know. All we see is, oh, so you bringing it to me? You, you coming against me? But we don't know everything they've been through. We don't know the pressure that they've been under. All we know is our pride and how dare you come against me. But God takes it all into consideration. All of it. We, we dare not think that we're the only ones that's been through something and so we justify it. God takes it all into consideration. That's the reason why we don't strive with people. Does everybody understand that? I grew up listening to rap music, especially when they were having battle raps and rapping against each other. And I always thought it was interesting how you'd have rappers, you know, talk about each other real bad, talk about how they done slept with the other one's wife and did different things, and only two years later to be making an album together. I thought that would just shut up to begin with. I just always thought that was strange. Y'all know at some point all that's going to die down. Neither one of y'all want to die. At some point you're going to come to the table and talk about it. So why even start off making a rap against each other? Just sit down like men and talk it over. Why? Because once you record a song, that's, uh, that's in eternity. People to this day still playing the song No Vaseline. To this day. And, and, and the people that was on both sides of it, now they, they back to being friends. Like two old ladies. Like just sit down and do what you, know what you're going to end up doing in the first place. And see, so you see the danger of making war with people? What happens if God saves them? Now who's got to ask who for forgiveness? The one that was saved the longest, that should have known better. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? So brothers and sisters, that God have called us to peace. <laughs> and we're supposed to be peacemakers, not striving, that's carnal-minded. Not, we're not supposed to strive with people. Does everybody understand that now? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the word that you spoke to us. God, we ask that you will help us all to take these things into our hearts and let them sink down, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we've moved ahead of you. Forgive us for the times, Lord, that we were carnal-minded and thought we were wrestling against flesh and blood. Lord, we repent of the times that we got offended at flesh and blood and participated in the war. And God, we ask that whatever was taken away from us in those times, that you will restore it, O oh God. 
Lord, we ask that you will restore our love for souls. Restore, Lord, our compassion for humanity. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that you only came to die for us and not for others. Lord, help us to show the same love that you've shown us, the same mercy that you've shown us towards others. Help us, Lord, to be merciful towards people. Help us, Lord, to get out of ourselves and walk the walk that you've called us to walk, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord, not to swallow camels and to choke on gnats. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've justified our actions in the name of truth. Help us, Lord, to line up with your word completely so that we can be pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters. Thank you all for being here today. If the Lord say the same, we'll go to the back and we'll discuss the things that we've heard today. That's all now. We're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.